As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. This is Cruise Radio. If this whole thing we're going through right now has taught us anything, it is to always have travel insurance. Get a quote today at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida, this is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio, a review of Celebrity Edge today. And as always, Sherry Laskin is here with Cruise News. Hey, Sherry. Hi, Doug. Carnival's brand ambassador said they could be returning to sea sooner than people think. That's right. So John Heald got everyone excited when he posted a video on his Facebook page the other day. First, he laid to rest the rumor that there would soon be a big announcement from Carnival. He went on to talk about the restart of Costa Deliziosa in Italy, as well as the resumption of Aida cruises. He'll continue to promote a possible return to cruising in November and maybe even before that with shorter cruises. But of course, nothing definite has been revealed yet. And you briefly just touched on this, but Carnival Corporation headed back to sea, but over in Europe. Yeah, so Costa Cruises began its first cruise on September 6th, sailing from Trieste, Italy. Aida Cruises has also announced its restart. And as you might expect, Costa has implemented a list of health and safety protocols necessary for all passengers. And right now, only Italian residents are allowed to cruise with them. The safety and health protocols include, and, and the first one is similar to what we do now, but this has to be done 72 hours before the ship sails. Guests must complete their online check-in and fill out a health questionnaire. Staggered arrival times are implemented, but the cruise line has not stated how they plan to handle people who arrive early or late. Temperature checks and COVID testing are being done at the terminal before guests can board the ship. And yes, guests will be required to wear masks in public spaces. And of course, not when you're dining, because that would be impossible. <laughs> Toby Keith has a country song out called A Little Less Talk, A Lot More Action. And I feel like there's a lot of that happening right now in the cruise industry. For instance, Royal Caribbean CEO, he weighed in on returning to service. Yeah, so in another... Let's be optimistic uh, news item. In a video conference call, Royal Caribbean Group Chairman and CEO Richard Fain and Royal's new Chief Medical Officer, Dr. Calvin Johnson, talked about their hope for a COVID vaccine. And then they went on to tout the possibility of using a rapid results saliva test that is still only under development. And like you said, Doug, it was basically a pep talk to get people and travel agents excited about the possibility of cruises starting up sooner rather than later. 
So this is creative. A company is providing ghost ship tours in the UK. Yeah, so we've got something fun to talk about. So not exactly a ghost ship tour like you can take in Long Beach aboard the Queen Mary, but Paul Durham, the owner of a ferry named Josephine, came up with a really clever idea to sell tickets for a boat ride into the English Channel to visit all the ships that are sitting out there just floating around. So some of the ships that are bobbing offshore that people can, they can get up to, it said, 164 feet from the ships. And this, these would be Royal Caribbean's Allure of the Seas, Anthem of the Seas, and Jewel, and then Carnival Valor, Cunard's Queen Mary II, and P&O's Aurora and Arcadia. And along with the boat ride, Captain Paul tells stories and histories about the ships, and he seems to be selling out every departure. One cruise line is settling a lawsuit brought on by crew members. Yes, so a class action lawsuit filed against Bahamas Paradise Cruise Line was settled last week. The cruise line agreed to pay $875,000 in unpaid wages to its crew. So back in June, Bahamas Paradise Cruise Line CEO promised everyone $1,000 for a good faith payment to every employee on or before July 25th. So when July came and went, on August 4th, a Bahamas Paradise casino worker contacted a maritime attorney and filed a class action lawsuit in Miami federal court. So with approval from a federal judge, the funds will now be divided between 275 crew members to cover unpaid wages as stated in their employment contracts. And our listener question today comes from Hank in Cody, Wyoming. Is it a good idea to sail on the first cruise post dry dock? I've heard there could be some plumbing issues and them still trying to put things together while that first initial sailing is going on. Well, hi, Hank and Cody. So I, you know, I probably would go without too much hesitation, but you are right. Uh, There have been instances where not all the renovations were completed before the first sailing after dry dock. And for example, I was on a Norwegian cruise line ship several years ago, and workmen were still putting in new carpet throughout the atrium area, and that created all that carpet fuzz in the air, and it was really kind of a nuisance when you had to walk through there. And also keep in mind that many refurbishments are now done in Europe, and the cruise lines sell the repositioning crews back to North America. So I guess I would have to ask myself, you know, assuming that all the renovations weren't complete, would I be comfortable for 10 days to two weeks with construction still happening? And hopefully the plumbing was not the issue. You know, chances are all would be fine, especially, you know, if it's a shorter cruise, the ship gets renovated or refurbished in the Bahamas, it comes back and you go on a three or four night cruise. I really don't think it would be much to worry about, but it would be a longer cruise that would be the first one after the um, the dry dock that I might, you know, hesitate a little bit. And Doug, you did that once, once that trip once, didn't you? Yeah, I've done it a Back few to- times. I was actually just thinking of when Carnival Glory came out of dry dock um, out of Grand Bahama and they didn't have the water park completely done and the water slide was closed for the whole voyage and boy... People were fit to be tied, but I don't blame them. Like, you know, you're going on a cruise and you have the kids at the water slide, let them, you know, do their thing for the whole day. And then, uh uh-uh, nothing open. So uh, I think what, what was I, Sherry? Carnival, was it Sunshine I did, the Transatlantic, where they were still working on things? Yeah, and that's one where you weren't feeling too good, as I remember. Yep, that would be the one. Been talking with Sherry Laskin from CruiseMaven.com. Thank you so much, Sherry. Thanks, Doug. 
If you have an Amazon Alexa-enabled device, ask her to enable the Cruise Radio News skill so you can get daily updates anytime straight from Cruise Radio. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker from my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Check out our blog, the video page, and interact at cruiseradio.net. The week the cruise industry shut down, Ashley was on a ship, and she joins us on the phone right now to talk about the experience, what it was like. This was a seven-night cruise aboard Celebrity Edge out of Port Everglades, and it went down to the Eastern Caribbean. Ashley actually only took a partial voyage, but she's here to share her experience of Celebrity Edge and how things kind of were leading up. Hey, Ashley, so this was the very last cruise, right? Yeah, I flew in a day early, which I always do for my cruises, just in case I run into any snags. The cruise was slated to leave on March 8th and go until March 15th. And like you said, I I did disembark early. It had nothing to do with COVID. My boss just needed me back at work. So I was only able to take partial time off to go. And the day that I disembarked in St. Martin, I was talking to some of the port workers at the terminal while I was waiting for my cab to the airport. And they told me that we were the last ship that would be calling in St. Martin because of the virus stuff that was happening. And they were very worried because of their jobs and stuff. And there were supposed to be five ships in port that day. And we were actually the only one that was allowed to call because the others had cases. So we were very lucky. There were none on our ship. But yeah, I, I flew home March 12th. March 11th, I believe it was, or the 10th, maybe one of those two was when the World Health Organization um, declared COVID a pandemic. And the 13th, which was the day after I got back, was when the U.S. declared a state of emergency. So my disembarkation experience was kind of bookended by all the craziness. And yeah. um, Before boarding Edge, did you have any reservations? Because, you know, with the COVID thing starting to ramp up and hell breaking loose on Diamond Princess just a month earlier, any thoughts about that? Yeah, so I was a little hesitant, but ultimately decided to go because at the time, I think... And I know, at least I know I was guilty of this. A lot of people were saying, ah, it's just the flu. You know, we had no idea of knowing how much this is going to blow up. And so I think until you've sort of lived through a pandemic, you don't really understand what it is and the Mm -hmm. extent of it. Like you can read up about the ones that happened 100 years ago, but it's different when you're kind of in the thick of it. And so because I had never experienced something like that before, I was like, ah, it'll be fine. You know, they're just, they're overreacting because they're, they don't want to see people get sick. And, um, you know, it didn't really set in until after I was already home exactly how bad it had gotten. And I remember the day that we set sail was the day, I believe the day that the CDC officially said, we are advising you not to cruise right now. (laughs) And my response to that was to take a selfie on deck during sail away and tweet it 
at the CDC and I said, hey, wish you were here. You know, about a week later, I was eating my words because things had really changed. And so I'm curious because all this was kind of going on and we'll get to Celebrity Edge in just a moment. But when you were flying home, I know you work in an office. So did your office let you come in or they make you like stay home in quarantine for 14 days before coming back? They had me stay home for well, the initial plan was for me to stay home for two weeks. Um, This was as a precaution, even before the pandemic was declared, some businesses started telling people to work from home and then kind of shutting down their offices. So the plan was for me to come back, stay home for 14 days, work from home. And during that 14 day period, our office actually closed and told everyone to work from home. So mm-hmm. okay. um, I, I was planning to do that anyway, but it ended up happening for, for you know, everybody started working remotely. All right, so let's talk about Celebrity Edge. You make your way to Port Everglades, Terminal 25, which is a gorgeous terminal, by the way. I think they opened it in 2018. How was embarkation, and were things different at all? It was actually super easy. Um, If there's one piece of advice I have for anyone listening, it's download the app before you go. Put all your information in. You can do all your passport stuff right there. I literally just walked into the terminal. They scanned my temperature with one of those little, uh, like it looks like a mini radar gun kind of, and they hold it to your forehead, uh, to check your temperature. And it was all good there. So I was able to pretty much breeze right on through. There was no wait. It was fantastic. Um, because they had already kind of processed all my paperwork ahead of time. They had my credit card information for my onboard account. So it was really quick and painless. How long would you say it took from curb to ship? Maybe 15 minutes max. Okay. So you make your way on board Celebrity Edge. I know you've been on the ship a couple of other times. So like maybe you can kind of pull away from all of your experiences. What was your first impressions of Edge? The outside, I mean, the first thing you notice when you see the ship from the outside is the magic carpet because it is this huge orange monstrosity, which it, it looks pretty cool, but there's no other ship right now that has something like that. And if you if you didn't know what it was and you were looking at it, you'd just be scratching your head trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, the interior is it's very modern and kind of trendy, but also like classic. And, and I know that sounds like those terms are totally at odds with one another, but they did it so well. Like it's it's quirky, it's fun, but it's not over the top. And I think it appeals to everyone from young adults, like I'm in my 30s, um, and, and thoroughly enjoyed it to people, you know, in their 50s, 60s, 70s. And it's just, um, it has, I think, a lot of very broad appeal. And it was done really well. It's very elegant. What kind of stateroom did you have? And what did you think of it? I loved my stateroom. Um, I was traveling by myself on this one. And initially, you know, they had, um, first of all, that the most striking thing was that my bed was facing the balcony. And it wasn't, the ship has uh, infinite balconies, which are, I'm sorry, infinite verandas, which are, there's a set of double doors that open. And instead of having a, an actual balcony where you step out, it's part of the room. So you can kind of make your room larger or smaller, depending on whether or not you open or close those doors. And then instead of a traditional balcony, there's a window that goes up and down with a switch. Um, so there are a lot of those on this ship. And it was one of the sort of new innovative things that they introduced with the ship. But I did not have one of those. I had a slightly larger balcony cabin with a bed that faced the it was a traditional balcony. So that was kind of nice because I could like watch the water going by. Um, initially my bed was set up as two twins, but I was traveling by myself. So I had the room steward push them together to, uh, make a larger bed, which was much more comfortable. Hmm. Um, had a a full sofa. I 
can't remember if it converted into a sofa bed. I'm not sure about that. There was plenty of closet space and the bathroom was pretty sizable, very modern, well laid out. And it had a glass shower door, which is a plus instead of those clingy curtains. And one thing I really liked about the cabin is that when they designed the ship, they really took into consideration that people travel with all kinds of gadgets these days. So there's on the vanity area, like the desk area, there's a little white box that opens up and inside there's all sorts of different outlets for you to plug your things in. So there's USB ports, there's a regular like North American style plug, and then there's European and um, actually I'm not sure if there's UK plugs, but there's definitely like European style two prong plugs. Mm -hmm. So that's really nice. You can plug in all of your things without having to bring a power strip to fit all your chargers and everything, which is pretty cool. I want to go back to the – I sailed Edge a couple of months before you, and I want to talk about the infinite verandas for a second, the balconies that kind of go down. They're innovative, whatever you want to call them. One problem I had with them is that when you rolled it all the way down, it sucked all the air out of your room and made your room very, very humid. Yeah, I mean, any balcony will do that if you open the door. Like, even if you have a standard balcony and you open the sliding glass door and you leave it open, the same thing's going to happen. So the key with the infinite verandas, um, because like I said, I, I had one of them on my my previous sailing on Edge, um, which I believe was in 2019. And with, the, with those double doors I was talking about before, there's a, a set of, like, folding glass double doors that separate the room from the like infinite veranda Mm -hmm. area. So if you, if somebody wants to go and have some fresh air without sucking the air out of the room, you can close those doors behind you, those folding doors, and then put the window down for the infinite veranda. And I know there was a lot of kind of negative feedback that people had, like that cruisers had about these new styles of balconies. And what's nice is it makes your cabin feel bigger because it's like an extension of like you can you can keep the window closed, open those double doors, and you've just added some square footage to the inside of your stateroom, which is pretty cool. Um, but they had a lot of issues with the windows not opening and closing properly, and the shades were an even bigger issue. They have these yeah. um, they're they're controlled electronically with a switch, and the shades go up and down, and like there were cases where, you know, one side would go down, but the other side would get stuck. And so you'd have a shade that was like on a diagonal, <laughs> halfway covering your window, halfway not. And in port, that was always fun trying to get dressed while you're right. shaded, won't go down. There are four different, I guess we'll call them main dining rooms. There's the Cosmopolitan, the Cypress, the Tuscan, and the Normandy. So did you dine at any of those? And if so, what time dining did you have and how was your experience? I had anytime dining, so you're able to go anytime between set hours, and I ate dinner one night at Tuscan, which is the Italian-themed main dining room, and I had lunch at Normandy, which is the French-themed, and it's nice because sometimes when you are on other ships and you you're eating in the main dining room every night, it gets a little boring. You want a change of scenery. So there are four, like you said, four different ones and they all have different themes and different types of cuisine. And um, one thing to mention is they share, they share a main menu across the four of them, but on each of the menus, there's a little box that highlights Italian fare for Tuscan and French fare for Normandy. And I believe it's um, sort of more contemporary fare for Cosmopolitan 
Cyprus, I think you said, is the fourth one. Yeah. Yes. Um, well, I did not eat there, but that's sort of like Mediterranean uh, Greek. The food was fantastic. The service was great. And it's just really nice to have a change of scenery. You can decide which one you want to dine at and make reservations or just walk in. It's cool because like on Norwegian, they have three main dining rooms, if you will, but the same menu in each of the mains. But on this one, they have four main dining rooms with uh, it's like a slightly different menu between each one, correct? Yeah. Well, I mean, for, for the most part, they're the same across all four, but there is that little section within sure. each one that has specialty dishes. Mm-hmm. So if you're someone who likes a lot of variety, it's a good ship just in general, but yeah. especially with main, main dining room fare. How about specialty dining? Any specialty restaurants? And if so, which ones? Yes. Um, I went to Le Grand Bistro one night for the Le Petit Chef experience, which it was it's a little pricey. It was $55. But I'm so glad I did it because the thing about celebrity that I like is they have a lot of gimmicky type alternative dining experiences, but they back it up with the food. The food is excellent. So it was a pleasant surprise. I've eaten on on other ships at some of these more you know gimmicky eateries and the food just doesn't live up to it. So you almost feel like you're not getting your money's worth. But I totally felt like I got my money's worth on this ship. Um, The other place I tried was Eden. Now, Eden is interesting because it's like a hybrid of several things. It's It's a lounge. It's a bar. It's a performance venue. They have a deli counter area like for lunch during the day. And it's all in this one big room that's, it's sort of themed after the elements it's very earthy and apparently it's supposed to be patterned after the fibonacci sequence which is like the swirly pattern you'll often see in nature on like snail shells and stuff um so there's a walkway that kind of spirals its way up and around the outer edges of the lounge um and a few times throughout each sailing, they'll do this really cool Eden performance, which is like acrobats and dancers and stuff. And there's a sort of a loose um, kind of, I want to say it's a little Adam and Eve ish kind of storyline. And you can eat dinner there as well. There's a restaurant on the lower level and the menu is amazing. It's the stuff is very creatively prepared. It's themed after I believe like earth, wind, fire and water And it's just really creative stuff, really tasty food. And that was $65 a person. So also a little steep, but in my opinion, well worth the price. Well, while we're talking about Eden, real quick here, um, dinner aside, the space itself, how was that? Because I know it's kind of a loungy, theatrical experience, if you will. I loved it. It's very light. It's often quiet. I mean, they'll they'll host certain activities in there during the day. Like, for example, um, I was on the International Women's Day sailing. So they had um, Autumn DeForest on board, who is an artist who sells some of her work on ships via Park West Mm -hmm. partnerships and stuff. And she did a live painting demonstration. So that was really cool to go and see her do that in that space. Um, They will often host, you know, other activities in there. It's pretty quiet though, so if you're looking for a good place to read, it's good for that. It's good if you just want to grab a drink and go find a spot to sit on that outer walkway area I was talking about that spirals spirals around. There's a lot of like hammock chairs and and places to lounge. So it's it's like multi-purpose, but it works really well. 
And how about the Buffet on Edge, the Garden Cafe, I believe? They all run together to me. Garden Cafe has so many different stations with a variety of things. There's pretty literally something for everyone. Like, you won't go hungry. Um, I also found that this was not on this sailing, but in the past, I traveled with someone who was vegan. And in general, celebrity is really great about helping you with dietary restrictions and stuff like that. And what's interesting is we found that the buffet was one of the best places to go for people who have those restrictions because there's just so much there to choose from. Um, The pizza is fabulous. I could probably eat pizza every day for the rest of my life and never get sick of it. And their pizza in their buffet is amazing. They also have an ice cream station and what I really liked and it's super relevant right now and was super relevant on that sailing because of the, again, the virus, they have hand washing stations as soon as you walk in. So there is no excuse for anyone to go into that buffet without washing their hands. This ship has a really good cafe slash coffee shop. It's a cafe, I'm probably going to butcher it, Cafe El Baccio. Is that how you pronounce it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, At least that's how I was pronouncing it anyway. It was really fantastic. They have tons of different specialty coffees. They have a little sort of dessert case where you can get free pastries pretty much any time of day. Little tables, like high top tables with some chairs where you can sit and enjoy whatever it is that you order. There are sort of like a small lounge area just beyond that too. Like it's it's open to traffic, so you know people. It's not like a, an enclosed lounge or anything, but there's lots of lots of seating, and it kind of overlooks the atrium area where the atrium bar is. And at night, especially, they'll do the bartenders will do shows where they juggle and, and pour fancy drinks, but like you know, a dozen of them at a time. Mm-hmm. It's really a good vantage point to watch that. Speak on the magic carpet just for a moment. So it's you can eat on it, but it's also a tender platform, correct? Yes. Um, you'll, you never know where it's going to be on the side of the ship. It could be up on the pool deck serving as a bar. It could be, um, I think sometimes they have it on deck, is it deck five raw on five? Mm-hmm. It, it serves tapas and stuff as a, an extension of the seafood restaurant. And on days when the ship is in a tender port, it serves as a platform for people to board the tender boats. And it's so visually stunning as well. All right. Any other entertainment on this ship that you took part in that you'd like to talk about? There was a really great violinist. She And, and I kind of rolled my eyes when I saw it on the daily schedule, but I was like, all right, I'll go check it out. I was thinking it was just going to be someone standing in one spot playing some classical music and it would be a total snooze. This woman was like dressed in head to toe sequins and was rocking out on the stage with her electric violin to like really contemporary music, like pop music. And she did some slower, like more classical stuff, but it, it was not what I was expecting. And I'm really glad I won. The violinists that play like the modern music i can really get into that like carnival has that in their atrium too the electric violins and the fiddles in there it's uh it's really cool let's talk about the sea days on board celebrity edge i know you got off early did you have any yeah we um we actually ended up having an unexpected sea day because we were supposed to 
call on San Juan and then Tortola. And the seas were so rough that we didn't get to San Juan until like a day after we were supposed to because we not only did we uh, Captain Kate McHugh was the captain for this sailing and she took a slightly different route to try to cut down on the amount of rocking that we were feeling and it I'm not sure how much of the time delay was that route choice versus having to go more slowly because of the rough seas but regardless we spent an extra day at sea got to San Juan, I believe on the day we were supposed to have gotten to Tortola. So they just canceled Tortola completely, which was a little bit of a bummer because I had never been there, but I had never been to San Juan either. So that was, that was great. Um, as far as things to do on sea days, I mean, you'll never be bored. There's always a movie being shown or trivia, dance classes, tons of stuff. The daily schedule was packed. Um, but I, I'll be honest, I spent some time reading and some time relaxing and, you know, watching movies in my cabin, ordering room service. It was, <laughs> it was all very relaxing. They do have that really cool track. It like spans two decks, doesn't it? Yes. If you are someone who likes to work out on board, again, I'll be, I'll be honest here. I did not work out at all while I was on this sailing, but the one before when I was on edge, I used that track a couple times. And it's really neat because it sort of goes in a figure eight um, and it, it slopes down and then slopes back up. So it's not just the usual boring track where you're running in ovals for, you know, hours and having the same view the whole time. It was really neat. It ran, it sort of weaves its way through the um, rooftop garden area, which is like, a nice outdoor lounge space with real greenery and they have a movie screen up there. So they'll often show movies at night. They have games there during the day. It's a pretty peaceful space. So you went to San Juan and you said it was your first time there. Did you do anything special or, you know, hang in the port or what? We, I was on board um, with, well, like I met up with a couple people on board who I made friends with and they had never been there before either. So the three of us kind of just walked around together and explored on our own. We walked around the outside of the fort that's there to kind of walked along the water. It's really, really beautiful. Some older architecture there. That's really cool to see. It was a little sad because there is there's still some areas that haven't fully recovered from the hurricane yet. Um, and we, we stopped for a drink and bought some cigars and just kind of took our time exploring, which was nice and eventually made our way back on board. So you disembarked early in St. Martin. So we'll skip disembarkation process. Um, but I want to ask, what was the COVID temperature like as the cruise went on? I mean, you boarded and it was pretty much like, you know, business as usual. And then as the yes. days went by, things did things start getting a little, I don't want to say tense, but the people start, you know, being concerned. Yeah. I don't know if this is true. So I, I can't, don't take it as gospel. I can't verify it. But I did hear that roughly 15% of people who had booked the cruise actually canceled it beforehand. So they didn't even get on board. Wow. And I also heard that people were disembarking early. So there were a, a, a few people who got off in St. Martin around the same time I did and went to the airport. And I don't know how many of them 
had planned to do that anyway. Like, like in my case, for example, when I booked the cruise a couple months prior to all the COVID craziness, I made plans right away because I had to be to disembark early because I had to be back at work. So I'm not sure how many of those people who disembarked with me had planned that in advance or how many were doing it because they were nervous about the state of the virus. Any first time tips to offer someone considering Celebrity Edge? Sure. I'd I'd say, like I already mentioned, I mean, this is kind of a general tip for any cruise, but if you're flying in, try to fly in a day early just in case. In my experience, my flight was delayed. So it actually, if, if I had flown in the day of and my flight had been delayed as much as it was delayed with, you know, how it actually worked out, I would have missed the cruise. So try to go in a day early if you can. Um, I would say celebrity specific, download the app, check in ahead of time. It will seriously make your embarkation process so much more pleasant. When you get on board or even before you get on the ship, try to book your specialty dining because it can fill up pretty quickly. And I would say don't miss Eden. Even if you don't go for dinner because it is kind of pricey, check out the show. It's a little weird. It's a little quirky. It'll kind of make you go, hmm, what is this? Um, but it's definitely worth seeing. It's it, Whether you like it or hate it, it's it's uh, something you'll talk about. Yeah, I know. And they have toned it down a lot. Whenever I did this on the inaugural, they were the characters or whatever you call the people who live in the world of Eden. Um, Edenists. Edenists, yeah. <laughs> they were very in your face where when I sailed about six months later, it was a more subdued and kind of shows on a rotational basis and not just everything everywhere. So uh, yeah, Eden, yes. is, Eden is really cool there. Looking back, what was the biggest highlight of this cruise? For me, it was the International Women's Day stuff. It was just a really cool atmosphere, really uplifting, really empowering. I know that sounds kind of cheesy, but for the first time in cruise history, they had an entirely female bridge crew, which was really neat. There were 27 of them. They dubbed themselves the Ocean's 27, which was fun. So um, it was the bridge crew and the heads of all the major departments were all female. And as part of this, like I said, they had Autumn DeForest, who is an artist, on board doing painting. They had some other very notable women that the line works with. Um, Lisa lutoff Perlo. I know that she and Captain Kate were on the show a few months ago to talk about all this, but... Um, Lisa was on board as well. And so what I guess one of the um, more specific major highlights for me is that I ended up buying a piece of art, which I've never done on a ship before. And I've been mm-hmm. on like 40 plus sailing. So for me, like I'm, I'm, I love art, but I just have never bitten the bullet. And I did it on this sailing because there was actually a painting I saw on a ship several years ago by Autumn DeForest. And I like couldn't get it out of my mind. And so I figured, you know what? Okay, she's on this sailing. I have now met her. She's very nice, by the way. Um, Super talented. She's still in her teens. And she's like a a prodigy. She just does amazing work. So I I was like, you know what, if if I'm going to do this, now is the time. And so, um, you know, from seeing her paint live, on board to, you know, being able to actually purchase a piece of her work after meeting her. It was pretty awesome. I've been asking this question a lot lately. What are your thoughts of cruising post COVID? Well, I don't want to say post COVID because we don't know when this thing's actually going to leave, but what are your thoughts of cruising again once cruising resumes? Personally, I, I hope to be one of the first people back on board. I love it. I think it's a great way to travel and I'm, I'm really itching 
just to, to get back out there. I know the lines have to be very careful and conscientious with how they approach it. There are going to continue to be setbacks. I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see cruising fully, you know, kind of starting to resume again until maybe Q2 of next year. And, and that's a shame because officially right now, I believe the CDC's deadline, which keeps being moved back and back and back, is now October 31st. But I just don't think it's going to happen this year. I'm with you on that because returning too early, things can happen. Another setback, certain companies may not come out of it if it happens again. I mean, at the end, we have to have a vaccine or super efficient testing, something to make people feel safe and something that won't that will tell the CDC, hey, look, all these protocols are in place now. We're starting to gather again. Let's start cruising again. Yeah. And I think, you know, you were asking me earlier if if I had any hesitation and, and I did, but it was very minor hesitation only because we've all seen how things get blown out of proportion when it comes to cruise ships. So yes, you know, Diamond Princess was having issues prior to my boarding this cruise, but we've seen the way that that certain media will latch on to things like norovirus mm-hmm. and try to make it seem like cruise ships are these very dirty entities and they're they're not. We, you know, we know that logically as cruisers. Um, but I think the general population still needs some convincing because of the way these things have been spun. So I just kind of assumed that the COVID thing was another case of, you know, like norovirus, taking it and running with it and blowing it up and making it into something larger than it was. And unfortunately, this time that was not the case. 100%. In closing here, your final thoughts of Celebrity Edge. Go. <laughs> if you have the opportunity, go. It's a it's a really nice modern ship. It's well laid out, so it doesn't feel crowded. There's tons to do. And I think you'll have a great time. Ashley, thank you so much for sharing this experience and going into the detail with us. I sure appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Doug. On this September 11th, Cruise Radio remembers those lives lost, the heroes on that day, and the men and women of the United States military who protect us every day. Where were you when the world stopped turning on that September day? Have you heard about the 2018 study that showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? No? Well, now you have. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, a company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. I remember staring at my prenatal vitamins and finding all these things I was trying to avoid. High amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and unnecessary ingredients. So... At four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual because I believe that all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. I'm so proud of our prenatal vitamin. The ingredients are 100% traceable. It's third-party tested for microbes and heavy metals and recently received the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. You see, we trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. But don't just take my word for it. Trace for yourself with 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast.